Hej. Hej, Katarina. Hej, Corrado. Um, I hope I'm saying your name right. How do you pronounce your name? Let me know. <laughs> As your name. Yeah, how, how do I say it right, your name? Ah, Corrado. Corrado. Yeah, uh, it's fine. Like, this is fine. Okay, perfect. How are you today? I'm fine. Oh, sorry. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm fine. Thanks. Good, good. Yeah, me too. I'm good. <laughs> nice. Okay. To have this um, talk here. So, yeah. Well, we we have a we have like around six minutes. So mm-hmm. we have a few minutes to relax. In the meantime, I'll share on Twitter that we okay. are about to start. Hi everyone, um, thank you for coming. We will start in around um, three to four minutes. It will be a really interesting room um, here with our uh, guest speaker, um, Dr. Corrado de Pascali. 
who will talk about his really interesting work about 3D printed biomimetic artificial muscles. So um, yeah, feel free to invite people if you think this room is really interesting or share the room. Um, and yeah, curious, thank you. You already shared the room. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, stay tuned. In the meantime, oh, let me go ahead and and paste the. Um, I'll paste in the second the paper link, and um, feel free to look through the slides uh, while we are waiting. Thank you. Hi everyone, we'll start in around two minutes. Thank you for coming. Uh, feel free to raise your hand and come to the stage to ask questions. Um, and uh, yeah, we invite discussions. So yeah, thank you Curious so much. And um, yeah, feel free to share the room, uh, invite people that you think would be interesting, interested in this topic in. Um, and yeah, thank you. We'll start in a minute. Thank you.
sorry about that. My app just froze and I had to restart my app. I'm really sorry about that. So I'm glad the room is still here. <laughs> okay. Um, we can, we can start, I think. I know it's early for here for the US, but um, I think we can slowly start. And so welcome everyone to the Science Society. And of course, a special welcome to you, um, Corrado. Um, I'm very happy that you're here and um, I gladly um, you were already here so that the room didn't crash a minute ago. I'm sorry. I shared it on Facebook that the room started and then it wouldn't bring me back to the app. So, um, But yeah, before we start with your presentation, uh, let me introduce you to the audience a little bit and uh, then we'll go from there. So, Corrado um, um, de Pascali um, did his um, um, master's at the University de Cataneo um, in mechatronics um, and management. And um, he, um, his uh, PhD at the Scuola Superiore de Sant'Anna in biorobotics. And um, he's at the IIT in Italy. And um, we are really honored to have you here because you just published recently this amazing science paper. So congratulations. Yeah, that is so interesting. And before we start, um, we usually ask our guest speakers a couple of interview questions to get like the conversation started, okay. if that's okay with you. Yeah, okay. Um, so how did you discover your, you know, that you would um, start your or choose a career in science? Um, was that something you always wanted to do to work in this um, type of field or was it something that came later, maybe during university, uh, a great professor? Okay, so um, let's say that both my parents uh, were university professors in architecture, so a different field. Uh, now they are retired, but let's say that so since I was a kid, I was like passively introduced to research but by just hearing my parents talking at home so and um, but yeah I, I was not sure after my graduation after my master thesis I was not sure to enroll in the PhD so actually even if I was really fascinated by robotics uh, I was more specialized in an industrial robotics and industrial automation so I was hired, I, I didn't enroll in the PhD and I was hired by um, one of a large company uh, that is called Festo in Europe. It's one of the leaders in industrial automation and they are particularly uh, famous for pneumatics. And basically there I became aware of this uh, bioinspired robotics that, that is the field in which now I'm working because the, this company, Festo, uh, has a research line and works with uh, some university, particularly in Germany, uh, on this 
in order to develop these uh, cool by inspired robots that they actually that they don't commercialize but they just use as a um, um, I mean, in their convention to show uh, some new pneumatic technologies and stuff like that. So I was aware of this by Spiral Robotics and I became uh, interested in this. And then I found that there was a, actually a PhD on biorobotics in my country, in Italy. So I decided to enroll and, and I, yeah, I quit the, the company, the job in the company, and I, and I came here where, where I'm working now. Um, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. So, um, it w but you followed your passion basically. So I yeah. always find that that is very, you know, that we are very lucky that we we got to do this. So, um, yeah, yeah, congratulations. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. Absolutely. Yeah, so you already alluded a little bit how you chose this field, um, especially. And, you know, for this specific project, um, was it, is there maybe a background story? Was it very easy? Um, were there maybe some, um, how, how did you choose to work on this project? Mm -hmm. uh, was it easy to get a grant? Did people maybe say? Um, oh, this is wonderful, or you're crazy, <laughs> you know, this all this happens. Sure. <laughs> sure. So let's say that um, um, the, 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 I'm working with the other, other colleagues and other teams uh, in, uh, inside this European project that is called Proboshis, that, of course, uh, I, I am not the, the leader of the, the project that is leaded by... Um, uh, uh, PI in, uh, in another group of IIT um, and inside this project uh, I am involved I am uh, I have the role to design the structure of this because in the project basically we aim to develop a bioinspired arm uh, that is a robotic arm that is bioinspired by the elephant trunk and um, and yeah, I am involved in the design and the, for, for the structure of the trunk and for the actuation. And uh, yeah, basically the trunk uh, can achieve a, a wide range of deformation thanks to the, the muscle, the muscle architecture that are inside because basically it's, uh, it's something that is called muscular hydrostat, so it doesn't have any bones. And this is uh, really interesting also from a design point of view. And other than actuation, so yeah, that that is the let's say the frame in which we we started to to study because the most important part uh, for 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 this um, to to for this goal to develop this robotic arm is of course to develop uh, really um, so to develop a specific uh, muscle that can be. Um, what we will explain later that can be um, really can have uh, high versatility and can be Im implemented in this structure to achieve what, what we want to achieve. So this is why we started studying artificial muscles. Why I started studying artificial muscles, and the main purpose why we developed the the what we presented in this article. Yeah, that's. I'm not sure if I answered the question, but oh yes, sure. Um, okay. That's perfect. So, yeah, um, 
the stage is yours now for your presentation for everyone. The presentation is pinned on top of the room. Uh, feel free to open the link. Um, and um, yeah, uh, thank you so much. And uh, um, uh, yeah, if you, I'm not sure if you would like people to have, um, to ask questions more in the end or in between. Um, uh, no, it's, it's the same for me. If um, there is something not clear, someone wants to ask something, feel free to interrupt me. And uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I can see the chat because I'm using the desktop app from my laptop. Yeah, I'll, so... I'll do that for you. I'll, I'll okay, put read thanks. it out. Okay, perfect. Thank you. The stage okay. is yours. Thank you. Okay, thanks. So good morning, everyone. Um, as Katarina said, I'm Corrado De Pascali, and I'm working in the group of Barbara Marzolai at the Italian Institute of Technology, together with the School of Advanced Study in Santana. I will just briefly introduce the topic of the artificial muscles, and then I'll move to my work. So natural muscles have always been a reference for creating actuators capable of moving artificial machines. Thanks to their muscular systems, animals are able to achieve a wide variety of movements from fast and powerful sprints to precise and delicate movements like, for example, the expression on our face. The possibility of being able to reproduce these natural movements in artificial machines has led to the development of the so-called artificial muscles. Artificial muscles are widely spread in soft robotics and particularly in the biospired soft ones, where robotics try to mimic the behaviors of the animals and plant kingdom. Several types of actuators have been proposed in soft robotics to, to that purpose, and a common classification is based on the nature of the external stimuli needed to activate them. That inputs can be pressure, electrical energy, magnetic fields, heat, light, exothermic chemical reaction, but among them, the pneumatic artificial muscles are the most famous and most adopted one, thanks to several advantages, like mostly because they, are, they usually can produce high forces, good contraction, and are lightweight. They officially were born in 1950 with the McKibben pneumatic muscle, which is still the most famous one. And since this first design was presented, several pneumatic artificial muscles have been developed. And even if they have different designs, the main operating principle is more or less the same of the original McKibben. At least two basic components are constantly involved, a stretchable membrane, a stretchable membrane constrained by a casing of tensile-resistant fibers that modify its behavior. So when the membrane is pressurized, it inflates and radially pushes the fibers that surround it. And the high tensile resistant fibers pushed by the radial expansion induced, induced by the membrane pull the two ends of the membrane together and force the system to contract. So this was just to, to summarize, but nowadays artificial muscles can easily overcome the performance of a natural muscles in terms of contraction, force and power. But the versatility of the natural muscle is still largely unmatched. Indeed, natural muscles enable the dexterity and the wide range of movements, amplitudes, speeds and forces observed in animals, despite they are composed of bundles of fibers that can only contract. 
So how is this possible? Well, this is possible thanks to the fact that muscular systems are composed of multiple muscles of different shapes and size that are arranged in articulated architectures. So the muscles work together and manage to convert simple contraction into complex deformation. And this is still hard to mimic and be transposed in the artificial world, mainly because artificial muscle layouts, uh, despite recent results, still involve a number of assembled components hindering miniaturization, implementation in complex architecture and customization. So to this purpose, we have developed this new class of pneumatic artificial muscles uh, that are amenable of dimensional scaling, customization to specific needs, and a straightforward fabrication. The idea came up to our mind from one of the traditional design that is a variant of the McKibben muscle that is named pleated pneumatic artificial muscle. This pleated muscle works in a similar way to the McKibben. Basically, the, the, it only presents a membrane with folds that facilitate the housing of the fibers and lead to lower stretches of the membrane itself with some advantages and some drawbacks. But so starting from this traditional design, we investigated how to simplify it, to make it easy to be fabricated, and to increase its customization options to enhance its versatility. You can see a simplified representation of their development process in the second slide. Through a reiterative process of design refinement and performance improvement, we then have defined a basic design for this new class of actuators that we named GRACE, that stands for Geometry-Based Actuator Able to Contract and Elongate. From the base design, uh, we have developed a geometrical model that formally defined the general shape of the graces, and the model allowed us to optimize the performances, their performances and led us to the final design. So the graces are composed of just one monolithic element made of one material uh, that, that is a membrane with an engineered shape. They don't need any tensile-resistant components or end caps or any additional constraints, unlike traditional pneumatic artificial muscles. In the grace design, it is the membrane itself that through a geometrical transformation performs both the function of the tensile-resistant fibers and the stretchable membrane of the traditional pneumatic artificial muscle. The geometry of the membrane is the key of the working principle, since it inherently couples the radial deformation to the longitudinal one in, an, in the desired way. In the third slide, uh, it is represented a scheme of their behavior. Basically, when the graces are pressurized, the pleats unfold and pull the two ends of the membrane closer, generating a longitudinal contraction. On the contrary, when they are depressurized, the pleats fold and push the ends away from each other, achieving uh, a longitudinal extension. The pleats can also facilitate the passive extension when external forces are applied. Both the possibility to actively elongate and passively elongate um, that usually are not allowed in traditional chromatic artificial muscles makes the graces suitable for antagonistic operation, 
such as system composed by, by our biceps, triceps, and elbow. So the operating principle that mainly relies on the geometry of the membrane uh, makes the graces extremely versatile and allows their customization according to the specification requirements of the application in which they want to be involved. Particularly, the contraction and extension ratios achieved by the graces can be tuned as well as the exerted forces and their dimension. A wide range of materials can be involved in their manufacturing and several fabrication techniques can be adopted. They can also directly be directly embedded in the structure to be actuated in order to enable the straightforward fabrication of complex pneumatic devices without any assembling phases. The possibility of tuning their contraction and elongation performance is enabled because the deformation is driven by the geometry and therefore by changing some geometric parameters in their designs it is possible to modify how they deform. The geometrical model that we have developed and which I briefly represented through a few figures in slide 4 and 5 without going too deep and reporting any formula directly relates the shape variation of the grays when they are pressurized or depressurized to the main geometrical parameters of the design. And this model can be exploited both to investigate how each parameter affects the deformation achieved and to generate the design of the grays to obtain the desired contraction and elongation. As a demonstration, we set some constraints such as the number of folds and the length of the actuator, and we generated three designs using the model according to our needs. One that maximized the contraction, one that maximized the elongation, and one suitable for antagonistic operation by maximizing the contraction and the elongation while keeping them equal. We named these three designs Grace C, Grace E, and Grace A from contraction, elongation, and so since the model is only geometric, it does not consider some elements such as the material involved or the material or the membrane thickness, it produces its outcome with some evaluation error. Anyway, the errors are relatively small since these elements, so the material and the membrane thickness, almost don't affect the contraction and elongation performance. What they highly affect instead are the forces exerted and the pressure inputs needed for the graces and this is something that can be exploited to tune them. The effect of these factors can be investigated through the finite element analysis which together with the geometrical model provides a complete tool to study the behavior of these artificial muscles. In slide 7 you can see the samples of the three main designs printed through the stereolithography technique uh, with a desktop 3D printer and a commercial resin, both from Formlab. So, talking about the graces fabrication, uh, they can be manufactured through several manufacturing techniques, but they are particularly suitable to be produced through additive manufacturing processes. So, being composed of a single element, uh, they can be 3D printed in a single step without the need of manual assembly and unlike other artificial muscles. And since the operating principle is based on the ge their geometry 
and independent from the material, they can be fabricated with a wide range of material, even uh, with low-cost desktop 3D printers and commercial material. Actually, every Grace muscle and Grace device we have tested so far in our lab was printed using low-cost desktop 3D printer and commercial material available to anyone. So, and this is one of the main reasons why we think that this class of artificial muscles could increase the democratization of pneumatic devices made with artificial muscles. After the fabrication of the samples of the three main designs, so the grade C, grade E, and grade A, we proceeded to the characterization through isometric and isotonic tests that are also standard tests for natural muscles. In isotonic tests, a load is applied and kept constant while the muscle contraction is evaluated. In isometric tests, a stretch is applied and kept constant while evaluating the force exerted. To have a complete characterization, we have carried out this test for each of the three main designs with various loads and stretches and both for contraction and elongation. In slide 9, as examples, are reported the results from the isotonic test with no load applied, also called free contraction, and the isometric test with no stretch applied, also known as blocking force, only for the grace C. There are also two figures that summarize the results for, from all the tests on all the designs on the right side of the slide. We also tested the grazes uh, for 1000 actuation cycles to, to test their endurance. And during these tests, they didn't break or show any particular change in their behavior. The isotonic tests showed us that the grazes can achieve a maximum contraction of around 25-30% and around 20% of extension. These values can be compared to the ones of the natural muscles, which have an average contraction of 20%, with peaks of deformation that can reach 40%. In, instead, in the isometric test, the samples, our samples achieved a peak of pulling force of 20 newton and around 10 newton pushing force, and these contraction forces particularly um, shown, shown by the samples are lower than the ones exerted by the natural muscles. But as I mentioned before, and as you can see in the videos on slide 10, the forces exerted by the grazes can be tuned depending on the material adopted. So a stiffer material allows higher pressure in, uh, allows higher pressure inputs and thus leads to higher forces. On the other hand, softer material permits the grazes to achieve lower forces than, and that require, of course, lower pressure inputs. The resin we use for the specimens we have characterized is, uh, is relatively soft and that's why the forces were not so high. But using a stiffer material for the fabrication, the air fabrication, we were able to lift with the same design of the test up to 1000 times their weight and which is more than five times the forces shown during the tests. A similar behaviors uh, about tuning the forces uh, occur when the thickness of the membrane is modified, as shown in the videos on slide 11. Thicker membranes allow stronger pressurization and depressurization and lead to higher forces. Thinner membranes behave similarly to softer materials, 
and allow them to sustain lower pressure input. Another feature that makes the grazes very versatile is the fact that um, the working principle is independent of their size. They can theoretically be scaled at will, even if obviously some limits are set by the technology involved in their fabrication. And graze of bigger size can exert, can exert higher forces, but they also become slower since more time is needed to inflate or deflate them. Additionally, their puffy shape uh, can be a problem for some application in which compactness is crucial. And, but this can be easily overcome by scaling them down and arranging them in complex configurations such as series and parallel, since they can be directly printed in these complex arrangements, as I will show in a few moments. In the video on slide 12, uh, we show the, the actuation of four grace C uh, of size spanning from one centimeter to 10 centimeters. So since the material does not affect the working principle of the grazes, uh, it is possible to use materials with some peculiar properties. In this work, we particularly adopted and we exploited an intrinsic property of uh, the commercial resin that we use for the samples that is called photoelasticity. It, it may, basically, it consists in the local variation of the optical properties due to a mechanical strain di distribution in the material. And this property allowed us to verify that the manufacturing process did not produce any residual stress in the gray samples um, and to qualitatively verify that the state of the stress due to the pressurization and to the pressurization was similar to the one we obtained through the finite element analysis. In the videos on slide 13, you can see how the color of the grays changes while they are, they are being pressurized. Qualitatively, uh, the areas with greater color variation are those where there are more possibility of failures. This, this is a simplified explanation, but it, it, this is the point. So the, the, versatile, the versatility of the grazes, together with the, the straightforward fabrication through 3D printing, makes them suitable for automated mass customization processes. Similar to the path we went through to realize the three main designs, it is possible to define the main steps to customize a graze and make it suitable for a specific application. Through the model, it is possible to generate uh, the geometrical parameters related to the desired contraction and elongation, constraints due to the application such as dimensional constraint can also be inserted and considered into the model. The generated geometrical parameters then are used to design the grace shape through uh, computer-aided design software, and the behavior of the outcome of the CAD can be simulated using finite element analysis with different material properties and membrane thickness to evaluate the forces exerted and the overall endurance of the artificial muscle. Once the final design and the range of material stiffness are defined, uh, it is possible to choose among the different additive manufacturing techniques and material, materials suitable for the specific grades. 
Similar process could be also directly applied to devices embedded with these kinds of artificial muscle. Indeed, the grazes can be embedded in the structure to be actuated and allow the 3D print, uh, allow to 3D print the whole device uh, in one step without assembling phases. This great, greatly reduce the production times and open up new possibilities for making thematic devices. And to, to, as a demonstration, we designed and realized a pneumatic hand printed in a single printing step with a low-cost desktop 3D printer that is from Formlab. And we used the same commercial raising we used for the samples that we tested through isotonic and atomic tests. And in slide 15, mm, there is a picture of its fabrication. And uh, in, while in slide 16, a video with the, with it, while, it, while the hand is actuated. So the hand is composed of 18 grazes of different sizes and shapes, three graze C of two centimeter length um, um, are needed to actuate each finger, uh, two for the thumb, and four graze A um, of three centimeter are in the wrist. The contraction of the graze C in the palm uh, basically pulls the tendon uh, that causes the fingers to bend. And while the grace A in the wrist are arranged in an antagonistic configuration, and depending on which ones are contracting and which ones are elongating, they enable multiple rotation and deformation of the hand, as you can see in the video on the 16th slide, on the slide 15. The full hand has a similar size of natural hand and weight weight less than 100 gram. And this is because basically the, the grace actuator are super light. They, they, they weigh few grams because basically they are hemmed inside. They, they, so the, the weight is really low. Even if you change the material, it doesn't change too much. And um, yeah, and uh, now uh, with my colleagues, uh, uh, we are currently working on a realizing complex biomimetic muscle architecture uh, composed of greater number of uh, grazes. And in the realization of uh, what I said at the beginning, the robotic arm inspired by the elephant trunk, which will be composed of thousands of these grazes. And yeah, that's all. Thanks for your attention. Thank you so much for this wonderful presentation. This is so impressive because Thanks. you, you know, the variety of materials people can use and shapes and, and the simplicity, it's so elegant. It's, it's yeah, so okay. impressive. Um, thank you so much for sharing this with us. And um, I invite everyone, um, please ask questions. If you have questions, raise your hands. Um, if not, you know, you have to listen to my questions. <laughs> Can I ask one? Yes, please go ahead, Cheryl. Hi, Corrado. Thank you for sharing your work. Um, I'm just curious, have you already started to apply this in practical use? And do you think you will see more success in humanoid robots or use as uh, artificial limbs for human? Um, yeah, so let's say i'm i'm not uh, an expert on like prosthetics or humanoid robot so i cannot really answer uh, i cannot complete give a complete answer to that 
but we think that uh, they can easily be involved basically in every uh, application that involves artificial muscle. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think so, for example, the hand we I shown here is just a demonstrator, of course. Um, even if, I mean, the, the movements are, um, are really nice and biomimetic, of course, the end itself, the structure of the end, it's not biomimetic because the, the muscle arrangement, it's uh, way more complex, but it's something that is possible to replicate. It's, it's needed, of course, uh, um, someone that is maybe that is expert on, already expert on the artificial ends that, that can work on that and maybe come up with a design that can be also used from prosthetic and something like that. So I think that um, for sure in, uh, let's say in almost all the field of bioinspired software in soft robotics where, where there is an artificial muscle, we, we can think to use them. Uh, in humanoid robots, I also think it's possible. I mean, pneumatics, artificial muscles, are, are used in that field, so why not even those? Uh, in, I, we think that uh, since the, let's say, the performances of the grids are more or less the same of the, the state of the art of, of other pneumatic artificial muscles, they can be used, but additionally, they have this kind of enhanced versatility because they, are, you know, they have this simply, simply design, you can print with wide range of material, whatever, all the stuff I said. So yeah. More than that, uh, um, yeah, I mean, uh, pneumatic artificial muscles are also involved in industrial automation. Uh, for example, the company in which I was working, Festo, they, they produce a, a pneumatic artificial muscle that is basically the McKibben. Uh, so the, 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 the design is the, the same of the most famous one. Most famous one. So I think, yeah, the, there are also some possible application in industrial. I think, yeah, basically, as far as I know, yes, all the application in which you use an artificial muscle, I think it's possible to, to, to use them. I'm not sure if I answer, but yeah. Yeah, thank you for, for that answer. Um, I think it's really interesting. Um, for both applications, for medical applications and um, for robotics, um, do you are you planning on? Or work, I know you said you're working on making more complex um, systems, yeah. but um, you considering to work maybe with a group that um, that uses. Um, you know, uh, brain implants to directly, basically stimulate, um, you know, for paralyzed people to stimulate um, like hands or uh, limbs or so uh, um, through brain activity. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really know <laughs> not, not too much in the, this field. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I open to, to, to collaborate with everyone I mean, things that, uh, no, I mean, this, this in our mind is like a tool that we, we develop and now we will try, of course, to use it and to, to, 
to I mean to 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 yeah to use it in in some useful application for sure. But for now, it's it's just a tool that is there. So if someone has some good idea in which we want to try to to use it, it would be for sure it's welcome. Um, but yeah, since I mean uh, our group. Is expert in, as I said, in bio-inspired robotics. Of course, we are using this actuation because I mean we developed for that purpose. So the 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 the, the, the main purpose why we we investigated this field was, as I said at the beginning, to find uh, um, uh, let's say something that you, we can consider like a building block for the for what will will be this robotic inspired arm. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, as I said, I open to to everything to discuss and collaborate with other groups if they may think that this can be, I mean, can be useful for sure. Yeah, we had a while ago uh, Miguel Nicolilis. I don't know if you know him. He's a pretty That's famous it. neuroscientist who did the exoskeleton in the World Cup in Brazil. Do you, I don't know if you follow. Um, I heard something. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he he the the kickoff was uh, with his patients. He developed the exoskeleton for paralyzed people, and they kicked off the ball. Um, you know, with those exoskeletons, and his work was more even more successful than he expected. Like people even were able to start use a little bit their own limbs again, which was not expected because he had he built in um, biofeedback. So sensors from the from the exoskeleton would feed back into the nervous system of the people, and um, they kind of regained a little bit of uh, sensation and control due okay. to that stimulus. And he opened up, he used to be at Duke University. Uh, he opened up his own institute. One, um, and the cool thing about yours is that it's so easy and so elegant to build because he is also very interested in, in uh, technologies that can help you know, a lot of people, yeah. not just rich I, people. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure that they can be at least uh, try to implement it in exoskeleton, even because, I mean, the pneumatic artificial muscles uh, were invented, at least is what this is the, the, the story from, from the McKibben, and the purpose was because her daughter was uh, sick by polio and could not move the, her hand. So... Uh, this is the purpose of artificial traumatic muscles. So I, I'm quite sure that um, we can work on something like that uh, and try and see if it can be useful, it can be simplified, or maybe... So the, the re as I said, the really nice thing of this kind of uh, artificial muscle is that the possibility to directly 3D print the device, no? So you don't have to, because one, let's say, one problem that usually you have with traditional pneumatic artificial muscles is that you always have 
many components and additionally you need to think how to to attach them to 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 so i mean to to transfer the force to to what you want to move and what you want to achieve but in this way you have the possibility of course you, uh, i mean it also depends on the dimension of the 3d printer in our case for example the end we 3d printed were occupied uh, because we have only small 3D printer in my lab and the end occupied all the, the workspace of the 3D printer. But of course, if you have a larger 3D printer, you can directly 3D print uh, whatever, almost, not, not of course, not really whatever you want, but you can think of to, to build uh, bigger stuff and the, the, the artificial muscle will be directly there, already attached to whatever you want to move. So. I think that, uh, yeah, exoskeleton for sure is a possibility to, to be explored. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, if you would like, I can try to... Miguel is quite busy, but maybe I can uh, make a connection email um, because yeah. I think it he would be really excited. Maybe he already knows and reach out to I, I, I will be excited to to work i mean uh, in such yeah. a, because i i mean uh, you start feel that i mean uh, it also make technology useful right and, and not only to to make it outside of just research and you know find a, a way to make it useful it would be yeah it would be really interesting for sure um yeah and as I said, I think this holds a lot of uh, potential for people. Based on his research, other people started to do research in that direction, like how much those kind of exoskeleton or um, artificial hands and so devices could help people to regain like mobility after, you know, severe trauma and so on. Mm -hmm. and it's showing more and more mm, promising results. So I think your technology could be really great for people that, um, you know, are paralyzed, like in general, um, that are paralyzed or, or lost um, mobility um, due to, you know, whatever it is, a disease or trauma. Um, I, th I think it will be because I would believe, and I don't have a study now um, in front of me, but I would believe the more a hand, like human hand, like it, it actually is, the more probably helpful um, such artificial, you know, hands and so on mm -hmm. would be because, um, yeah, if it's if it's more like a human type of um, movement, uh, more precise movement, I think the more helpful it will be. Also, since you can use almost any material, you can also adapt it to the specific person. Let's say mm -hmm. they need an artificial muscle in the leg. Um, if they have allergy to something, you can just print it out in with a different yeah. material. So, if it's a printable material, yes, basically you can. So something I said uh, in the presentation, but maybe I didn't explain well, is that we 
we, I mean, uh, we didn't explore, uh, we didn't investigate really the material and the technology, the manufacturing technology, because basically we just use, uh, I mean, uh, we have like three, uh, three, four 3D printers in our lab uh, with two different technologies that are basically the FDM, so uh, yeah, fusion, the, no, I don't remember the acronym, but FDM and SLA, that is stereolithography, the one I said, the one which we used to, to print the end and the, and basically we just use those two manufacturing techniques with the commercial materials available for the printer we had at our lab that are, as I said, low desktop 3D printer. So for, so yeah, the, the material, as I said, and almost any material can be used and, but it's something that, that really we, we believe that it's something uh, that should be explored for sure better. Maybe we will do, maybe someone, I don't know, some material engineers so can, can, can work on that also, but yeah. And additionally, as I said, if you can also exploit the material property. We, we did for the photoelasticity that in our case was more or less related to some verification of failure and stuff like that. But if the, a material has some property that you want to try to explore, to exploit in the artificial muscle, I don't know, for sensorization, or because we are also working on the sensorization of this, um, yeah, you can do. So, yeah, the, the material and technology to be used are something also that should be explored because we just use commercial one. Oh, so you mentioned sensorization, so you're yeah. um, adding uh, sensors to yes. get. Oh, so we are, the type of one, feedback? Yes, okay. one, of, one of my colleagues is working on that. Uh, so I want to, to spoil her to, to say something because the work is not really, uh, I mean, the, the, the article will be out. I don't know one, when, but he's working on that. And yeah, basically, it's a, he explored different way to sensorize them um, with different kind of technology. Uh, but uh, yeah, he found uh, that using uh, wave light uh, will be easy to do and will be uh, really suitable for this technology. So uh, yeah, the sensorization will be uh, like proprioception, right? So uh, in order to have the to to know how when it's contracting, how much is contracting. And stuff like that, and he's also is also work on uh, to have uh, to sensorize the force achieved. Uh, so the proprioception is the main work uh, in order to know the position. So the, the sorry the, the formation, the contraction and extension, but also is wondering to how to sensorize it in order to know the the forces exerted by the hand. That is really exciting. So we have to really together write Miguel Nicolelis for application because, you know, that's the important part to have that the body has then all this information as a feedback, yeah. um, which will make it way more um, successful and helpful for people. Um, so that's really exciting. And also for people that um, have these brain implants, I had a guest speaker here a couple of months ago who um, used this um, uh, brain implants to uh, communicate with 
computer, so BCI, and um, he, the BCI he developed for an, for ALS patient is that it can read basically what the person wants to say, and um, and like you know spit out language. But ALS patients also, you know, need to move and they you know the 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 neurons start dying and the peripheral neurons start dying so i think you know this is also really interesting because you can give an input from this sensory uh information from the artificial muscles directly into the brain and it can be it doesn't have to be a tactile pulse it can be um you know, light because okay. Miguel Nicolelis did the experiment uh, with mice, but um, you know, if if our mice neurons can do it, our neurons can do it because they are more complex and have higher computing power. Um, so what he did was he um, added um, a like deep red light, like infrared light sensors that mice cannot, um, you know, they don't have any receptors for that. And um, he directly um, feeded the input to cortical neurons that are usually sensing a tactile information, uh, the whiskers. And um, the, the these cortical neurons from the mice could compute both at the same time and um, and behave accordingly to that input. So they could compute the tactile um, information from the whiskers and also distinguish at the same time information from this infrared light. Um, and, you know, like they, if the infrared light would be there, uh, they would, and if they would press a lever, then they would get foods and they could, you know, distinguish between, diff you know, if it was infrared or something else. Um, so that those type of experiments that he does um, show that we can feed different type of sensors into our brain and our brain is able to process it accordingly like that it makes sense to the brain even if it's a sensory information that we usually don't have so that's why i think it's really exciting <laughs> <laughs> i mean i will be pleased to, i mean i will be happy to work with uh, yeah for sure so absolutely uh, involved of course uh, even uh, my colleagues uh, working on sensitization and uh, yeah i will be really happy about it hey everyone Hi. how are you doing going yeah, so basically, I just uh, saw your title here, speaking about 3D printing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have my friend here, he's down in the audience. I wanted him to get in and to speak his uh, experience about 3D printing and okay. if it is related to biometric artificial muscles or anything. I, I don't think that he has good English, but I could help in that. I mean, if you okay. could, could uh, let him in, like his name is Osama. The, in the corner yeah could you could you raise your hand Osama? oh yeah please um i'm inviting you to speak so if you want to speak if you don't feel comfortable just speaking um you can write in the chat yeah yeah exactly. your question yeah exactly so. 
Yeah. So my friend Arthur, for for me knowing him and uh, he was my roommate at least in university. So uh, he made CNC like a, a machine with his his own and very precise one and even 3D printing with very 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 minimal price and high. he's right here. I mean you could uh, express his experience at least. Hey, Osama. Hi. Hi, Osama. Do you want to comment or say something? Hello. <laughs> Are you there? Maybe he has bad connection or something. Hello. In the meantime... Oh, Hello. Osama, you unmiked? Can you yeah. yes? Yeah, I think I think uh, you should leave the, the room and uh, get in again. Leave. Leave and then. Do you hear me right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We hear you right now. Could you raise up your voice a little bit? Yeah, you should raise up a little bit. I mean, we hear you just a little bit. Maybe come close to your phone or something. I'm trying to stand. A little bit. Yeah, it's better, better than yeah before. Yeah. Are you using, uh, I can't hear yeah, you. Do you are you using headphones maybe? Don't, then don't uh, headphones. Yeah, yeah, yeah it works it doesn't work well on cobbles sometimes from headphones. Just try try to raise up your voice or plug out the Did you hear me now? Yes. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, I would like to start from uh, thank uh, my friend Idias to uh, invite me into this room. Yeah, I uh, I see that uh, the subjects uh, about 3D printing is quite interesting uh, because they have many features and many of uh, advantages that uh, we can that allows us to think about. So uh, as uh, my friends tell you, I was uh, personally work in uh, development of 3D printers, but uh, it's more about a uh, mechanical uh, engineering uh, side. So uh, I would like to uh, be a part of this uh, team. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, maybe reach so out. If you, are, uh, if you have any question, just uh, in uh, especially a practical question about how uh, difficult to work with uh, 3D printers and uh, difficult to uh, or uh, how much uh, take. Uh, maybe uh, time or uh, time consuming or something like uh, I got a question I got a question after you finish uh, the piece I think you have to watch it maybe maybe both the printing yeah. 
Osama. Okay. Um, do you have a question um, that's related to the talk um, right now? You can reach out to me, and then, and then I can maybe um, we yes. we can we can talk offline about um, you know your interest to um, you know to collaborate. We we can talk offline about that. But if you don't have a question right now, just reach out to me, and then we can talk about collaborations in the back channel thank you lamar you have a question yes, yes um, my question we can yes please go ahead. yes uh, yes um my question was um i think this is a, a very important um um breakthrough with 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 this um instrument with the muscle um artificial muscle i think um um because I'm, I'm i'm a chemical engineering major but i think that um in the biochemical um biochemical um chemistry or um major or even um i'm biomedical my fault biomedical engineering i think that this can go even farther by grafting on top of your your instrument and and actually um conforming to the the structure and and kind of like mimicking and making it like an artificial um um but but also um a, like part of a person's body as well i think it's really a a good a great idea what what you have made because i think when people who have you know um torn meniscus or um torn acls you know or who had multiple um mcl tears this can be a, a option of um a way they could have full function again in their in their in their extremities um and i land there congratulations to you while we're starting you know something that's really really you know out of the box and you know I wish you the best on going forward. Have yeah, a nice I have, day. I have a question for Cor Corrado, I guess. Yeah. So the question would be, uh, what type of filament that you are using to create th those kind of actuators? Like uh, those yeah. So, um, um, so for 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 the FDM, so you can see. I don't know if you can see the presentation. In the slide eight, there are some of them with 3D printed, and the one you can see in the first picture, let's say on the right, are printed with FDM, and the filaments are uh, almost always TPU, but uh, from soft TPU, let's say sure hardness around uh, 60, 70 for the white ones to harder TPU up to 90A, A, sure hardness, that are the blue ones, uh, while like green, uh, black, uh, or all uh, among those. So green, I think is 92 TPU, uh, sure hardness TPU. Black, it's something around 80. I don't remember. I think that the name are kind of uh, like flexi feel or something like that. They, they have this commercial name, so I'm not sure 
I don't really remember all the names, but the property, yeah, they usually are defined by the showrunners, by the company that sell these filaments at least here. So yeah. So for that PM, these, these materials, we, we tried basically because there is the one that was available for us to, to buy and try. Uh, while for the resins, for stereolithography, we just use uh, flexible resin from Formlab because we have uh, only the Formlab 3D printer and uh, Formlab only have this flexible material. It, basically, Formlab has only two soft material for uh, stereolithography. One is really, really soft and it's really, really hard to print with. Uh, we did, uh, so we we used the other, but we didn't try anything else because they, they don't have any other soft material. So, because basically in stereolithography, soft uh, material not really uh, commercialized because they, they you in 3D printing, this stuff you, I mean, with stereolithography yeah, yeah. used so much. The, so the study to use the, those for the FDM or I mean those type of filament, uh, I think it's probably based on uh, the flexibility constant. I mean, if they are, they could stay flexible for long duration because this is what we want in, uh, in to to act like a muscle. I mean, at least. I mean, for parameters, do do you take account some kind of uh, uh, properties needed to uh, uh, muscle uh, so the the material shouldn't be too soft uh, I'm, I'm I don't know if you have any knowledge about like soft material like um, that are used in molding like dragon skin or really soft elastomers because if it's too soft you can use it but let's say you will reduce a lot the contraction of these muscles, but you will increase the elongation. So it will start become uh, something that still can work, but it work mostly on elongation. So it's needed, let's say, a material that is... Uh, so the, the material is... is the, the, the range of material is wide, so you can use lots of material, but of course they should be in a certain range. So for example, you cannot use PLA with FDM. To, to prevent this because it will be too too rigid so and you cannot pressurize so it should be always uh, something like uh, flexible so that can that because it's needed that the pleats uh, folds and unfolds that so uh, for FDM TPU is uh, is the, the the standard one but there are lots of TPU or even uh, so yeah that, that's the the so yeah, you 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 let's say all the range that goes from soft to almost rigid. So if the material is rigid, it doesn't work. If the material is super soft, also it doesn't work. But if you go in between with some material that is soft, then you can go whatever. So for example, the TPU 98A Sherardness, the blue one that you can see in the slide is. I mean, if you touch it, it's super rigid. It's the one that can raise up. 1000 times the its weight and uh, but it's it's uh, even if it's tpu it's really it's, i mean it's really rigid but of course it's not like rigid like pla yeah uh, please go ahead no no that's that's i think yeah thank you yeah what a wonderful research what a wonderful story thank you for your Thanks. beautiful presentation Thanks. two questions one on the funny hand and one serious question 
the funny question is, are you looking to create cyborgs that are superhuman uh, with this uh, undestructible, super strong, super tensible and wonderful mechanism? And number two is a more serious question. Uh, you live big. Uh, how big are your dreams? Where do you want to go with this? Uh, this beautiful, not even invention, uh, but this mind-shifting, paradoxical, beautiful change. Um, yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah. Um, so basically, uh, uh, my my team is uh, working bio-inspired soft robotics. So let's say robotics that try to mimic, let's say, the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom. Uh, of course, I'm more involved in mimicking the animal kingdom. And I'm working in this European project that is called Proboscis, in which we are trying to develop in this robotic arm that is inspired by the elephant trunk. So, and this is the frame in which we develop this artificial muscle. So we, we aim to, since I mean, we, we, we thought that the first building block for this elephant trunk uh, robotic arm was to, uh, to decide which uh, muscle to, which artificial muscle to, to choose. And um, because actually it's the most important building block, even in the natural elephant trunk, the, the, the muscles. So we studied the state of the art of artificial muscles and uh, we thought that uh, even if their performance were really good of the state of the art artificial muscles, especially for the pneumatic ones, uh, they were not, as I said, this word like versatile enough to for, for our purpose, because the elephant trunk needs like uh, thousands and thousands of muscles. So, for example, if you cannot 3D print it, if you cannot like 3D print the structure with the artificial muscles embedded inside, then you have to manually um, fabricate each muscle and assemble together. And you can imagine for thousands of muscles, it's, I mean, it's something that it's impossible, it cannot be done. Additionally, there are lots of complications when you assemble, uh, especially pneumatic muscles, because they require like sealing, because I mean, when you assemble stuff, you are always, I mean, you are sure that some airs will try to go out, so you have to seal instead. This way, you just to the structure, and if the structure doesn't have any failure, it actually doesn't, uh, doesn't have any leakage, it doesn't lose air, so you, you don't need sealing, you need sealing only when you attach the pipe. Um, for, yeah, for my, let's say, my dreams, obviously, stuff, uh, I mean, uh, I'm actually a bit uh, constrained by the 3D printer we have in our lab, because as I said, they are quite small, so for example, the end uh, that I showed in the last slide uh, was like that, uh, of course, because we we thought a lot about that, how to achieve all the different motion and stuff like that. But we started with the constraints of the workspace of the 3D printer that actually is pretty small. It's only like uh, 20 centimeters for times 15 and 15, something like that. So it's not quite big. The bigger the 3D printer, the bigger you can try to, to, to print. The, I mean, the biggest stuff you can print. So you can... I don't know, just looking at the end, uh, at that demonstrator, I could, for example, uh, I could add something also uh, after the wrist, maybe some parts of uh, the arm or something like that. So for sure it would be super cool to, to, to try to, to print bigger stuff. And it's something that anyway we will do for the inspired robotic arm. And actually 
because uh, it will be composed. Actually, I already realized the first prototype that is in my lab uh, that is composed of uh, over 500 of these traces and it's quite big, but I couldn't print in one step because my printer, the printer we have is small. And so I printed, uh, let's say, uh, with, let's say, uh, in group of muscle, each group of muscle were printed in one step and the size were almost uh, uh, big as the workspace of the printer, and then I, I assembled them. But of course, if you have a bigger printer, yeah, you can try to, to, to print bigger stuff. Um, of course, you have to consider, uh, if, because when you, when you 3D print, there are always some problems that you have considered because there are like support material that you have to consider where you have to put and you have also you have to consider that softer when the material is too soft if the structure if the height of the structure become too much it starts like to to kind of collapse because the material it, it really depends on the additive manufacturing techniques we are using but for example for stereolithography since you are starting basically from a liquid the, there are some certain eight you cannot go over because i mean it should be studied on the other end you cannot go over this eight but also the structure of this actuator is really light so maybe you can so yeah i for sure i, I will try to to paint bigger stuff maybe more parts of human body and stuff like that i i talked a lot and maybe i lost uh, one of your questions i'm not sure okay yeah thank you so much for um for this description you know for answering all of our questions and uh for this work and that you shared it here with us today and you took time you know to share your knowledge okay. with us it's it's a really exciting work and um i think you know we we wish you all the funding so you get Thanks. a lot of them because i think it will be really important for our future and um if it's okay with you i'll i'll write an email to you and miguel and let's see um you know he sometimes gets really busy let's see if he answers but i think you 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 two should you know you and his team should collaborate so i think it would be really exciting so congratulations again thank you for your time and um maybe you come back um I don't know, in, in some months, maybe with your colleague and share um, the, um, the sensory um, and, you know, some updates on your work. We will be excited to follow your work. And yeah, we wish you all the yeah. best. For sure. Okay, thanks. I want to tell Mr. Cucurado one uh, suggestion. I want to give him suggestion if you want. Yeah. I, I guess you are from Italy. Yeah, yeah, I'm from Italy. You are now in Italy. Yes. Yes, we are from Algeria, very close. Me and Osama. You mentioned that you have a small 3D printing. We could we could collab or do something, and make make you a big 3D printing if you want. I mean, at least. Um, no, yeah, for sure. Uh, let's say in my lab, yes, the 3D printer is really small. In the pro this European project, uh, these proboscis, we are working with a 3D printing company that is in London. But let's say since they uh, since there was COVID, then there was uh, the 
before there was Brexit, we had lots of problems to work with them. And they, they, let's say the time to, to print the stuff were really super long. So we printed everything in our lab with this small 3D printer. But theoretically, yes, we have the possibility to, 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 to print uh, bigger stuff uh, because they have this DLP. The printer, they have this SLA, so photolithography, and also DLP. That is right, but yeah, I mean, if you want, you can write yeah. me. Yeah, you, you could, we now. could uh, speak about that uh, offline yeah. or something. Yeah. I, I guess that in the first slide uh, of the presentation, there is my email, or maybe, or maybe, it's, uh, yes, there is my email, also the email of my PI, the Barbara Mazzolai. So, yeah, okay, 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 okay. Thank you for the presentation, it was yeah, a very important uh, subject. Thanks. I know Abyss, our friend, just joined, um, but we were about to close the room. Do you have a last question, Abyss, that you wanted to get in? Please go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't. I don't think he might. I think he's at work. <laughs> so, but he was listening. <laughs> so, yes. Thank you so much again, and let's. Uh, stay in touch, hopefully, and yeah, we wish you all the best, and thank you everyone for coming, um, participating, supporting. Um, we will have another room, we were supposed to have another room later this evening, but um, we will uh, most likely reschedule, I think like two rooms a day is a little bit too much. And then we will have on Friday, uh, Dr. Michael Levine. It's another robotics room, but a different one, an organic robotics room. He uh, he invented this Xenobots that can do different types of tasks. They can even replicate. And uh, he shared his research with us um, two times now in the last you know 12 months. And he will come back and share what's going on now in his lab, like um, research updates, even unpublished ones. Uh, it's a really exciting uh, lab. Uh, Michael Levine at Tufts University, check him out. He won many prizes and does really exciting stuff. Also works on consciousness related to this organic robotics. So, and he will talk about uh, that um, also uh, on Friday. So. Uh, thank you, everyone, for coming. Thank you, Prado. I hope you come Thanks. back and sure. enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye, everyone. Close the room in three, two, one. Bye, everyone. <laughs>